everybody and welcome back to vulnerability with free turning your pain into purpose i want to start by thanking you if you're here and apologizing for the delay in this week's episode it has been a crazy week preparing to go back to class this upcoming week out on top of finishing my training at the hospital um i just feel like this week has been non-stop but um this week's episode we are going to discuss overcoming anxiety and depression and living through anxiety and depression um, things to kind of help with anxiety and depression and kind of dig into what they are uh, this week we did start a bible study for our women's ministry at church and it's on anxiety and depression and i have been blessed to ask to lead that um, so the plan was to go live for the Bible study and it just didn't work out. So I had said that I would take the next few weeks and um, record it for a podcast episode. That way everybody, um, men, women, young people um, have the opportunity to access it if they couldn't make it to the Bible study or if you live out of state. I did have several people who wanted to come, but it was too far away. So this way the word still gets out and um everybody gets to hear the word, hear the scripture. Excuse me. So that is what we are going to be talking about today. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Um, so I want to start off by saying that um, everybody has their own view on anxiety and depression in the church. It is something that is it's debated um, throughout the church, whether it's spiritual or whether it's physical. Um, and so if you have opinions, that is fine. Um, but in my world uh, that I live in, we don't judge people who struggle with anxiety and depression, and we don't tell them that they don't love Jesus if they struggle with anxiety and depression. Um, there is no scripture to back that up. And it's just, it's just a nasty way to treat people. Um, so with that being said, if you, um, if you have that, that kind of opinion, you know, more power to you respectfully, but here, um, this is a safe space for people who struggle. So we don't look down on people who do struggle with it. Um, so that's just kind of a little disclaimer. Um, I love you the same if you do believe that, um, you know, people who struggle with depression and anxiety don't love Jesus or they have something wrong with them that, you know, I still love you. I just respectfully disagree with you. So with all of that being said, let's jump right in um, again. So what is mental health? Um, this is something that a lot of people just, I mean, we throw it around like my mental health, my mental health, you know, my mental health is bad, but nobody really, um, there's a lot of people who don't understand what mental health is. So mental health is a well-being of our state of mind, emotional balance, and the way we respond to circumstances in a healthy way. Um, so mental health is when we are doing things um, that our, our brain is functioning properly. We have healthy coping mechanisms to um, situations that happen in life. That is mental health. 
Mental illness, on the other hand, is responding to said circumstances in an unhealthy or ineffective ways, or the brain being unable to cope at all. Um, this includes disorders that affect your behavior, mood, and thinking patterns. So mental illness is where we see anxiety and depression and bipolar and schizophrenia and all of these disorders come in. Um, mental health is the good side. Mental illness is when our mental health is thrown out of whack for whatever the reason. Um, so I think it's important to understand the difference between the two because our mental health is the good state. Um, and then when that is thrown out of balance, then it becomes mental illness. Um, and I always tell my class and anywhere that I teach that just because you struggle with mental illness does not make you less of a person. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that it is, a, it is a spiritual battle. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the devil. Um, just the way... Um, you know, the nurse in me sees it this way, um, just as the heart gets sick and the pancreas gets sick and the gallbladder gets sick and, you know, the GI tract gets sick, our brain is the main organ of our body. Without our brain, the rest of our organs don't function. Um, they just can't because the brain, again, is the command center. And so if all of our other organs can get sick, then the brain can get sick as well because it is an organ um, that relies on chemicals and neurons and, um, you know, uh, just all these different things that nerve endings and uh, blood vessels and just like any other organ in our body, the brain is an organ system, like it's an organ system. And when that system is disrupted, it throws everything out of whack. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the devil is attacking you. It just means, you know, hormones can be out of balance and, um, you know, our chemicals off whack, the thyroid can affect mental illness. And so all of these different medications you take can affect your mental illness and cause uh, imbalances in the brain. And so just because you struggle with a mental illness does not mean that you're not a good person. It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that um, you're less than anybody else who doesn't struggle with mental illness. And it could be um, a, a number of things causing this problem. Um, so yeah, just, just try to keep that in mind when you're, especially if you're trying to counsel somebody or talk to somebody with mental illness, you never, ever want to talk to them. Like it's their fault. Like, well, just, you know, if you do this and this and this, then you'll be better. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not a simple fix. It's not just, you know, well, if you would clean your house, you'd feel better. Like there is something off in their brain and, and you can't, it's not a simple fix. It's not an easy, um, well, if you just do this right, then your brain would be fixed. Like, no, the same uh, way that people take, uh, you know, metoprolol for an irregular heart rate or uh, high blood pressure and the same way that people use albuterol inhalers for, you know, asthma and we use, you know, periactin for slow GI tracts, like all of these medications help when the system is off balance. And that is the same way the antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and, you know, bipolar medication and, and, and schizophrenic medication, the, the same concept applies. Like sometimes the body just needs help and our brain just needs a little bit of um, help getting back to a normal thought 
uh, thought process, thinking pattern, the way we see things, the way that we feel um, our emotions. And so all of that comes into play when we're talking about mental illness. And, and I know we're talking about anxiety and depression, but I think it's just important to have that good foundation of knowing what mental illness is and, and who can struggle with it because kids struggle with mental illness and elderly struggle with mental illness and middle age struggle with mental illness, doctors, lawyers, um, homeless, uh, you know, pastors and preachers and teachers, like they all deal with mental illness just because you're high up in the church or, you know, you, you've got great wealth, like all the money in the world cannot fix mental illness. You know, I don't care if you've got the biggest of homes, like, why do you think we see people like Robin Williams and, um, you know, the, the Judd, uh, that, that commit suicide because they have this, imbalance and everybody just expects them to hold it together and wear that smile and they never get the help that they need and so they try to feel fill this void with all of these different things and at the end of the day like there's there's not a quick fix there's not um you know just well get a better job or you know move to a better house or get a nicer car like that's not going to fix the imbalance in the brain guys so with all of that being said i do want to jump into the lesson um anxiety and depression. Uh, I kind of laid the foundation this week for what anxiety and depression are. Um, but then I spend more time this week focusing on depression. And then next week, we'll really dig into anxiety. There are a lot of different uh, disease processes that come from these two disorders. And a lot of people get them mixed up. And a lot of people don't realize, excuse me, how um, they all tie together and how it affects um, the, the life as the big picture, like looking in from the outside. So, um, I do want to take a little bit of time today to discuss both of them, but really dig into what depression is and what it looks like and how to cope with it and, and all of the different things. So if you'll bear with me, we will get right into the rest of this lesson. So anxiety and depression. I feel like these terms have been thrown around so loosely in today's culture. Uh, everybody, I feel like, has anxiety and everybody has depression. And a lot of times people just confuse emotion and lack of drive with anxiety and depression. And I feel like it kind of devalues uh, what people who actually deal with anxiety and depression go through. Uh, you know, every person has a level of anxiety and it's normal because anxiety helps to keep us focused. Um, it helps us to um, like just have that, that drive. It's when anxiety becomes excessive that it becomes a mental illness. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is fear of a known threat or a perceived threat that triggers the fight, fight or flight, excuse me, of the sympathetic nervous system. It is intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Um, the symptoms are fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired may also occur. So anxiety is that, you know, the racing heart rate, the, um, your, uh, your focus is 
centered and you sweat and you know like people you're getting ready to go in for a job interview and you're all it feels like all your senses are heightened like that is the normal level of anxiety guys like it's normal to get anxious before a test it's normal to get anxious before a job interview it is when that becomes persistent in your everyday life that it becomes a problem um and there are so many different uh disorders that come along with anxiety ocd and eating disorders PTSD, um, those are all like agoraphobia, um, arach arachnoid phobia. Um, all of these are anxiety driven disorders. Um, so having anxiety is not like, oh gosh, <laughs> he didn't text me back. I'm, I have anxiety. You know, I can't, I can't do this because I have anxiety and, and I need anti-anxiety medications. Like, no guys, that is not anxiety. Like that is just normal, like giddy emotion, uh, you know, and you hear it a lot amongst the the younger generation, the, I can't go to work because I have anxiety. Like a lot of times it's not anxiety. It's just emotion, like your lack of drive or lack of commitment. And, and so people who really deal with chronic anxiety, like I've heard it said so many times, like, I'm so sick of hearing people say they have anxiety because, you know, they don't know what I live with and not to like minimize what other people deal with, but like, there's a difference between anxiety and actually suffering from anxiety and just like having emotion. And so I think it's important to know like the difference between the two, because there is a difference. And like one, if you don't struggle with anxiety, don't be like speaking that over your life uh, because it's not something that you want to like invite into your house. I personally struggle with anxiety. And for me, it looks like, um, I can't leave my house without checking like every outlet. I have to unplug all of my Scentsy warmers and I should like triple check to make sure the stove is off, even though I know I haven't cooked. Like I have to go in and check all the knobs because what if I accidentally hit one of them and my house burns down and like I'll text my husband almost every morning and be like, will you unplug my phone charger? Will you make sure my straightener is unplugged? I have to take pictures of my straightener at times before I leave or my hair dryer or my curling iron to make sure that um, it's not unplugged because I have this anxiety about my house burning down with my puppy in it, you know? And so, and that stems from uh, seeing my neighbor's house burn down in the middle of the night as a young girl. And then I also, um, I never really dealt with panic attacks until my sister passed away. And after my sister passed away, they actually became debilitating. Like I would get up in the morning and I would come down and I would make my coffee and like, it would just seem like a normal morning. And then all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't talk. Um, and I would just sit there and I would cry and I would say, God, you know, like I can't move. And so like, it really is a scary thing when you deal with it. Um, a few weeks ago, I was really like, I was really going through it with my anxiety and me and my husband were, we were dealing with some personal struggles and I got into this place uh, where my mental illness was just, I mean, it was really bad and I wanted to talk to him, but I didn't know how to talk to him. And that led to a massive panic attack driving home. Um, I remember I was, we were, we had a Christmas party at his work and leaving the Christmas party, like it just hit me and I couldn't breathe. I was trying to scream and nothing would come out and I couldn't see the road to get pulled over. And I knew he was behind me. And I was like, God, if, if you could just pull me out of this, like, I don't want to stop and I don't know what to do. And so it, it's scary. You know, uh, I, 
I just wish that people would be more cautious when they, they crack jokes about it or they say you don't love Jesus because if you were if you love Jesus then you would listen when the Bible says be anxious for nothing. But like that's easier said than done when your brain's not cooperating, right? Like I have to when I get out of my car, like I will literally uh, when I go to the gym, I will get inside the gym, like get my pre-workout mixed up. I will put my AirPods in and then it's like, I get this anxiety about, I didn't lock my car. I didn't lock, like knowing that I stood out there and hit the lock button three times before I walked inside. So I will get my stuff and I will grab my keys and I will tell the, the gym host, like, I will be right back. I'm just walking outside and I will check to make sure that my car is locked because like, that's my life. Like that is my reality. And my husband, he, I know I drive him crazy with it sometimes. And, and he says like, oh my gosh, like, why do you worry so much? Like, stop worrying so much. And and for me, like, it's, it's, I wish that it was as easy as don't worry so much because, um, you know, when you have that constant, you know, when, when he's away, I'm constantly like, text me when you make it to work, text me. And that got really bad after I lost my sister, because I felt like if I could lose my baby sister, then I could lose anybody, you know, and I'm trying not to cry, but like, this is the reality of anxiety, guys. Like, it's it's real, and it's not something to be like, oh, gosh, I didn't get a text back. I have anxiety. Or, you know, oh, my gosh. You know, so it's just not something to take lightly and joke about. And I didn't mean to get that hung up on anxiety because I'm focusing on depression today. But I just, I want to stress, like, how you you just don't throw these terms around because there are people who really deal with it and it's not something to be made light of and to just crack jokes about like it's a real disorder that real people that good people who love god real people who are successful in life like they deal with it and if it was as simple as well you know don't worry and then don't you think we would all just not worry but it's not that simple and so depression, on the other hand, is complete opposite of anxiety. And depression is a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed moods or loss of interest in activities, causing significant impairment in daily life. Possible causes um, include a combination of biological, psychological, and social sources of distress. Increasingly, research suggests that these factors may cause a change in the brain function, including altered activity of certain neural circuits in the brain. The persistent feeling of sadness or loss of interest that characterizes major depression can lead to a range of behavioral and physical symptoms. These may include changes in sleep, appetite, energy level, concentration, daily behavior, or self-esteem. Depression can also be associated with thoughts of suicide. Guys, depression is brutal as well. Um, and something that is, again, should not be confused with emotion um, because it's serious. Like depression is real and people take their lives every single day because they're depressed and they their brain has convinced them that there's no hope. Their brain has convinced them that, this is how their life will always be. And they can't hold on to see the other side. Like they, to them, there is no other side to them. This is their reality. And it's so sad because instead of reaching out and helping people, like 
people condemn them and they say stupid stuff like, well, if you just loved God, you know, you wouldn't be depressed. Or if you just smile and get out in the sunshine, like you wouldn't be depressed. And guys, that is why people take their lives because people are bullied for their brain being sick and they need help. They need. And, and so that's why I get, I get angry. Like my soul gets angry when I hear people in the church say things like, if you love God, don't take antidepressants. That is foolish. That is foolish talk. And it has no place in the body of Christ. Like you need to check yourself if you're out telling people not to take medication because you could be the very reason that somebody goes home and takes their life. Like it is not something to just be a terrible steward with your words about. Like think about what you speak. And my mama used to always say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Because God forbid you are nasty to somebody who has a sick brain and they cannot change it as bad as they want to. Do you think that somebody wants to walk around feeling hopeless, like seeing everything so sad. Like that is not, that is not their ideal life. They would change it if they could, but they can't. And again, like being like, oh, well just pray about it and you'll be okay. Like, no, like, yeah, they're praying about it. Obviously they want God to take it away, but sometimes God doesn't take it away because that is their cross to bear. And so they get help, they get medication, they go to therapy and that is what it takes for them to make it through so that they can be a testimony to help somebody else with depression so that they don't listen to people who just say stupid stuff all the time about mental disorders that they know nothing about like so anyways that's thanks for coming to my ted talk like i get very bad i have a husband who struggles with depression and i get so angry when i hear people talking about how people with depression are just lazy and they're they don't love god and they're not close enough to jesus like no close your mouth quick you you don't know what it's like for somebody who lives with depression and so um with all of that being said um i do have some physical things that can help manage depression and again i think it's important to know um, what their, the triggers are, because there are triggers for anxiety and depression. And so anybody who lives with anxiety and depression knows that it's, it's kind of like this cycle that you go through. Like you have your ups and you have your downs, like some days you're euphoric and other days you can't get out of bed. And some days you don't have any panic attacks. And some days it's panic attacks back to back. Like it's not a simple fix, but there are things that you can do to kind of help manage that. And uh, the biggest thing is avoiding those triggers, like learning your triggers, knowing what your triggers are and, and, and avoiding them. Like for me, one of the biggest things uh, for anxiety, and sometimes there are no triggers. Sometimes it just hits me out of nowhere. But I, I noticed if I don't take care of myself, like if I don't take time to just rest and read and pray, um, and I start trying to, um, I hyper fixate on things like my house. And, and I was telling the, the uh, ladies at Bible study Tuesday night that my house is a huge trigger for me. Like uh, if my house is dirty, my anxiety is through the roof. Like it is terrible. Um, I cannot stand to walk in my house and see a sink full of dishes. And I, and, and I don't know why. I don't know if that stems from you know, childhood. I don't know if it's just something that I'm growing into because I wasn't always that way. Like, but now I can't, I can't take, if my, if I think my house stinks, like 
I, we were cracking jokes because I have wax, I have wax melts in every single room of my house almost. Like I burn Scentsy in every room and like my kitchen is like open and separated, separates my dining room fr from like just with a bar. And so I have this, this bar that separates. And so it's all open. And I literally have two Scentsy warmers in my kitchen and one right across the bar on my desk where I record and, you know, study for school and all of that. And then I also have an essential oil burner, like on my other bookshelf that sits right beside my desk. And then if you move into the living room, there's another wax warmer. And so like my poor husband's sinuses, he's, he probably is gonna need to see it at your nose and throat doctor, but by the time he's 50, because of the way that I burn candles and, and wax warmers, but like it helps ease my anxiety. It helps keep me calm. And so there are things that you can do to kind of, you know, if my house is, is clean and organized and put together like I feel like I can come home and relax and I don't feel all of the pressure of I have dishes to do and and I hate waking up in the morning and walking downstairs to a sink full of dishes like I would rather stay up until one o'clock in the morning and make sure my dishes are done than to wake up the next morning and come downstairs and be like oh the first thing on my list is dishes like so find what triggers the anxiety for you and find what makes it worse and you know like does that trigger panic attacks no but if i hyper fixate on something and i get like i go through these manic phases where like i'm shopping all the time and i'm like trying to pay all of my bills at one time and my car has to be clean and my house has to be clean and before i know it i'm having back-to-back -back panic attacks because no matter how much energy i pour into this stuff like they're just not feasible goals they're just not things that i can do all at one time um but when i'm manic like that's what i do and so um it's like constant shopping and constant talking and constant going. Like I will step into like all of these roles that I know are just unrealistic for me to fill. And I'm working two and three jobs. And then before I know it, like my anxiety is through the roof. And so again, like, uh, not to get hung up on anxiety because today is supposed to be about depression, but like there are things you can do. And so some things that you can do to manage anxiety, um, or kind of help reduce it is physical activity. Like take a walk outside in the fresh air, a healthy diet, uh, because believe it or not, like processed stuff, uh, processed food and junk food and greasy food, like it, it affects the way you feel about yourself. Because like, if I eat like a double quarter pounder, then I feel gross because it's like greasy and like, yeah, it tastes amazing. And I love me a double quarter pounder, but at the same time, like I got to think about how I'm going to feel afterwards. Like, am I going to feel fueled or am I going to feel gross and like, I want to take a nap rather than, you know, if I eat a grilled chicken salad, like, yeah, maybe it's not like my first pick over a double quarter pounder, but I know that it's fueling my body and like, I'm going to have energy and I'm going to feel good about myself after. So like a healthy diet and regular sleep, like don't try to work. And, and right now I like, I'm going to say this without trying to be a hypocrite because I still struggle with this, but like, don't try to sleep four and a half hours and then go work a 16 hour shift. Like you're just, your brain is going to be in overdrive and it, it's going to trigger that anxiety. Um, and relaxation exercises may also help to reduce anxiety. Like go get a massage girl, treat yourself. Um, the salon I go to, they have a massage therapist now. And when I tell you, like I'm planning the day that I schedule a massage with her, like treat yourself come on now, like take time to take care of yourself. Like, because when you spend all this time taking care of everybody else, you leave yourself exhausted, which leaves you open to mental illness. Um, and 
Uh, also for anxiety, it's best to avoid caffeine, alcohol, and nicotine. And again, like I don't drink, but I do love me some caffeine. And like, I have a glass of espresso sitting beside me right now as I record, cause y'all know, like when I'm recording, I've got my coffee at, at side. So, um, and then depression, um, the mainstay treatment is usually medication, talk therapy, or co the combination of both. Increasingly though, Research should suggest these treatments may normalize brain changes associated with depression. And so like a lot of times people with depression, like they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to open up and they shouldn't be forced to open up. But at the same time, if you can get them to realize like it's okay to talk about how you're feeling, don't hold it in. Don't hold it in to the point where you feel like the only thing to do is end your life. Like and also, like, if you're around somebody who struggles with depression, don't be overbearing. Um, I was that wife. Like, I never really struggled with depression. Mine has always been anxiety. Um, but when me and my husband first got married, like, he had hit, like, his all-time low with depression. And I used to be that wife who I would get mad because I would be like, why don't you just talk to me? Like, just talk to me. Like, I can help you. And in reality, that was only making things worse. And I noticed that when I would, when I would just back off, when he would start showing symptoms, I would say, honey, like, I know you're in a dark place right now, but I want you to know that I'm here. If you want to talk, you don't have to, but I'm here to listen. If you just want to cry, like I'm here, I'm praying for you. Like, let them know that you're in their corner without being overbearing. And so now when he, when he starts showing symptoms, like I'm the wife that I'm going, I'm going to prayer for him. Like I'm going to intercede for him while he's going through this because I want him to know that he's not going through it alone. So one, I verbalize like, you're not alone. I, I know you, you don't have to tell me, I know you're going through it right now. Um, and I'm here, you know, I'm, I'll be an ear, I'll be a shoulder to cry on. Like, but you know, you take the time you need, take care of yourself. And, um, you know, so just kind of be that person without being overbearing. Uh, but it, studies are showing that talking about how you're feeling does help. And maybe it's because of the reassurance. Like, I know your brain is telling you one thing, but I need you to know that your brain is lying to you right now. Like your brain is sick and your brain is confused and your brain is misconstruing things. And so I need you to know that you're not alone. Um, and again, some of the leading causes of anxiety are lack of planning, unorganized life, messy house, obesity, substance abuse, caffeine, family history, trauma or abuse, especially during childhood, stress buildup, and poor coping. Um, the leading causes of depression are an upsetting or stressful life event, such as bereavement, divorce, illness, redundancy, job or money worries, abuse, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse can make you more vulnerable to depression later in life age, uh, people who are elderly at, are, are at higher risk of depression. Um, and we actually see the highest number of suicide in our elderly group. Um, the rates are actually increasing. Um, they are uh, skyrocketing in our, in our generation of 65 and older. Uh, certain medications can cause depression and also gender. Uh, males are more susceptible to MDD, which is major depressive disorder, and women uh, more susceptible to PPD, which is postpartum depression. Um, so, yeah, uh, this. So the question that uh, has really been raised in this Bible study are, uh, or leading up to this Bible study was this are they a physical problem or are they a spiritual problem? And the answer to both of these questions is yes. Um, it's 
the long ending, you know, the long never ending debate amongst Christians. Like I've heard it said from both points of view, like it's not spiritual or it is spiritual. And, you know, I've heard this, the silly saying that, you know, people who are depressed don't love Jesus. And it's just not true. Like the enemy can use anxiety and he can put anxiety on you and he can put depression on you. But then there is also that physical side where the brain is just sick and, and the brain needs help. Um, so yeah, it's, it's both. And, um, I think it's fair to say that not every person who is depressed or fighting depression is under a spiritual attack of the enemy. Um, but they have the physical need for treatment that often gets overlooked because of the stigma in the church that mental illness is of the devil. Um, I read a study that said one, one in every six people in the church go undiagnosed with a mental illness because of this stigma. And so one, one in six people in the church, one out of every six people in the church. So, um, they, they end up way worse off than what they ever should have been. And they go without help because of the stigma. And this is why we see pastors committing suicide because if we treat regular people like this, like imagine how our pastors feel where they feel like they, they're, they, they're told they're failures because they're, they're carrying the weight of hundreds of people and they're trying to do it all. And the whole time, like their brain is sick and they're trying to pray through it and they never go get the help that they need. And their brain tells them like the only way out is to, is, is suicide. And, and it's not fair to them. And we do our pastors and our ministers a disjustice or an injustice by not, helping them and encouraging them and, and being there for them and telling them like, it's okay, pastor, if you need an antidepressant, take the antidepressant. Cause I'm going to, you know, every person in the church who's like, don't you take an antidepressant. And, and one of the nurses in our Bible study brought this up. And I really love this point is she's like, you know, they'll say that, but then they turn around and will shoot themselves up with insulin because they have type two diabetes. And guys, I don't know if you know, but type two diabetes is almost always caused by an unhealthy lifestyle and being obese. And I know pastors who have struggled with type 2 diabetes and they'll be like, oh, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. And the whole time they're eating like a whole pizza and, and a chocolate cake. And I literally seen this with my eyes. And then they are like, well, I'll just take extra insulin tonight. And then they, they have told people, they have told, told me that anxiety is, is of the devil and you shouldn't take medication for it. And so guys, that is hypocritical. Okay. Like take your antidepressant if you need it. And I, and I get so passionate about this because I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of these stigmas in the church, keeping people in bondage. Like people need help and they won't get it because of the way that people treat them. Take the antidepressant if that is what you need. Like pray about it. Ask God about it. And if you feel at peace in your soul with taking an antidepressant, take the antidepressant and quit listening to other people. Because guess what? While you're sitting there suffering, sister so-and-so who told you not to take the antidepressant is sitting at home sleeping peacefully at nighttime. Like she's not the one dealing with it. He's not the one dealing with anxiety and depression. So it doesn't affect them at all, whether you don't take the antidepressant or not. And you're the one laying at home contemplating suicide because they gave you poor ill advice. Like quit listening to those people and take the medication if you need it. Like it's okay. You're not going to go to hell because you take Zoloft, like take the medicine. And so anyways, the physical side of depression, what is the patho of depression and why would a person get depressed and how is it genetic? Um, all valid questions. Studies show that depression is caused by an imbalance of GABA, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine in the brain. These chemicals all play a vital role in the thinking process 
the way we function and our drive and the way the entire body functions as a whole. So it's fair to say that if these chemicals are out of balance, our entire life is out of balance. Um, so again, like there, there are so many factors that go into depression and depression has such lifelong effects on the body. Um, we have studies show that people who suffer with depression, uh, untreated, they die at a younger age. They, um, have higher rates for dementia. They have higher rates for heart failure and heart disease. Um, so there's a lot of things that go along with untreated depression. Like don't, not get help because you're going to be the one who has to deal with all of these lifelong consequences. Um, and so again, the spiritual side of depression would be, um, you know, as we know, the enemy does attack our mind because the brain is the key to the heart. The brain is the command center to the rest of the body. Um, and so if the enemy can get to the brain, he's got the rest of your soul. Like he's got to your heart, he's got to the goods. And so he will try to put depression on you um, or, or <laughs> oppression. And a lot of people in the church don't have enough discernment to know the difference between the two uh, because oppression can feel a lot like depression and it's not the same, but, but church folk have combined the two and decided that oppression was depression and that there was no difference in the two. But the fact of the matter is, is there is a difference. And so a lot of times people are facing oppression by the enemy, which is where he tries to get to your mind and he oppresses you with sadness and he oppresses you by taking your joy. And it's just not simply the same as depression. So like that's kind of how the spiritual side plays into it, but it's not always um, oppression. Like sometimes your brain just really needs some help, guys. Um, but if the enemy can take our joy, then then he's got, you know, the joy, the, the joy of the Lord, the joy, my joy, <laughs> the devil is a liar. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, like if he can take your joy, then, then he's got you, you know, you're weak and you're fragile. And so he will try to oppress your mind, um, with oppression, but it's not the same as depression guys. Like there's a difference. Okay. So I do want to dive into some scripture. Um, starting with depression, so <clears throat> that we can kind of help uh, use to help us. And so the first one I want to jump into is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And it says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, and I actually want to go ahead and throw in verses 8 and um, nine and it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these those things which ye have both learned and received and heard seen in me do and the god of peace shall be with you this is an infamous text that is so frequently quoted but rarely applied um, this can be applied to both depression and anxiety. Um, but, sorry, um, this is doing something crazy. Um, okay, so definitely applies to depression because with depression, the brain has lost its drive for hope. It feels lost, but even in the midst of these feelings, these thoughts, 
God is able to keep our minds through his righteousness. It's hard to encourage yourself when you can barely brush your teeth or hair that day, week, or even a month. But the good news is God is still God in the midst of depression. And that feeling, uh, and that feeling when all hope is lost, like God is still righteous and he's able to keep your mind through it. Okay, so a lot of people use this like, well, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. Yes, it does say that. But in verse seven, it says, but the God, of peace shall keep your mind through it. Um, so this is why it is important to watch um, what people, what you have, who you have pouring into you as like when you're fighting, um, possibly one of the hardest things you're ever going to fight, the worst battle you're ever going to go through, like the battle of your mind. Be careful and make sure you don't have people who are going to twist scripture to belittle you and uh, make you feel like you're a failure when you're battling such a rough battle. Like when it's so hard, you don't need somebody who's taking scripture out of context, trying to speak life into you because a lot of times they're speaking death into you and they're using scripture to do it. And you have to be careful. Um, uneducated people when it comes to the word of God are dangerous people. Unedu I should say uneducated people who try to preach to other people and counsel other people are dangerous people. And there are some why I've met some very wise people who are just uneducated when it comes to like they know the scripture, but they're uneducated when it comes to applying that scripture and to counseling people with that scripture, or they just don't care. And they're just careless with their words. Like you don't need people like that pouring into you. You need somebody who is going to say, hey, like, I know you're going through it. And I know the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, um, to be careful for nothing. Um, but the Bible also says that when you make this effort and you let your request be made known unto God, in the midst of depression, you say, God, I'm still thankful for you. And I still love you. And I know that you're still God. And I know that you're still righteous. And I know that you're still holy. Like, I can't exactly encourage myself right now, but I just want you to know, God, that I still love you. You are still God. You are still Jehovah. You are still El Shaddai. And you are still more than enough. You are Adonai. Like when you begin to just give thanksgiving to God in the midst of hell, in the midst of your depression, it says the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to give us advice. When you're in the midst of fighting your brain, try to think on the things that are good. Try to think on the things that are honest and holy and pure. And let God keep you and the God of peace be with you in the midst of that depression. Guys, this scripture is not saying that if you're not anxious for nothing, you'll never have mental illness. Like that is out of context. Like here, Paul is giving us advice um, on, on how to, to think. Um, but it's okay. It's okay if you still have to take antidepressants and say, God, I love you, but I got to take this pill right now because I can't think on things that are holy because my brain won't stop. My brain is sick. Like it's okay. It's, a, I can't stress enough that it is okay to, you know, and, and just know that while you're on antidepressants and, you know, or maybe you don't take antidepressants and you're just trying to get through it on your, you know, on your own with Christ, like that's fine too. Whatever you and decide whatever you and God decide is best for your life. Like who cares what other people think you keep doing you baby and let other people say whatever they want to. Cause at the end of the day, it is you and Jesus and your relationship 
And you have to know that in the midst of the worst battle of your life, of the hardest battle of your life, of the most helpless feeling battle of your life, that the God of peace is still with you in the midst of that battle. And so that leads me into the next scripture. Uh, Psalms 9, 9 says this, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed and a refuge in times of trouble. Um, and then Psalms 34 and 18 says this, um, Sorry, I'm trying to flip there. Psalms 34, 18 says this, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him, delivereth him out of them all. Um, and again, we see that God will bring you through, but that bringing you through doesn't always mean, and this is what people need to understand. Bringing you through something does not always mean taking it completely away from you. Even Jesus prayed, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But he knew that that cup wasn't going to pass from him because that was his cross to bear. Like he came to be the savior of the world. And that is the battle that, that he had to face. And so like God doesn't always take our battles away, but he brings us through them. And so like, yeah, maybe depression comes in cycles, but you get that break. You, you know that joy comes in the morning because you got to face it for a little while now, but you're still running that race. Like you're still pressing towards the mark of the, the, of the high to the, of the prize to the high calling of Jesus Christ. Like you're still marching on even in the midst of depression. And that is what makes it so beautiful when you serve God, knowing that like, yeah, I'm depressed and yeah, I'm facing depression, but God is so faithful that he has kept my mind. He has kept my sanity and he has given me the strength to go through this. And every single time that depression shows back up in my doorstep, like when those woes show up, like God is still God and he's still going to keep me and he's not going to let me perish in the midst of depression. Like in the midst of the battle, he's still God. And if that's my battle that I have to bear while in this flesh, then so be it. But God will still be faithful. And he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And Jesus said, behold, I will go with you until the ends of the earth. He didn't say that it was going to be this flat, easy, happy all the time, like race. But sometimes, you know, some people have their cross to bear is vehicle problems. Some, some people's cross to bear is sexual problems. Some people's cross to bear is singleness. Some people's cross to bear is finances. And some people's cross to bear is physical ailment. And, you know, so be it. You know, good godly people die of cancer. Good godly people die from heart attacks. Like, good godly people get sick. It's okay. Because guess what? In the midst of that illness, he's still God. And he's not caught off He's not caught off guard or caught by surprise by your depression or your anxiety. Like he knew it was coming. And he said, you know what? I've got enough faith in this soldier of mine and this child of mine that I know they can bear this and, and trust me to get them through it. And, and they're going to be a testimony to other people that, hey, I love Jesus and I also struggle with depression and God is still faithful and he still brings me through every single time. Guys, it's, it's just, God is so faithful. And here's what happens when we endure. Revelation 21 and four says this. Revelation 21 verse four says, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he says in verse five, and he, he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write for these words are true and faithful. 
And we'll go ahead and throw six in there. And it says, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And so again, we see that Jesus knew. He knew we were going to go through things. He knew that we were going to fight things. He knew that we were going to have battles. And he said, those who push through and those who overcome, like those who don't give up and those who live their life as a testimony for me, like I'm going to wipe away those tears. I'm going to wipe away. I'm going to mend that heartbreak and all things are going to be passed away and all things are going to become new. And John 10, 10 says this. This is my pastor, Pastor Jesse. This is her favorite verse, and I love her, and, and I love you if you're listening, Jesse. You're such an inspiration, but this is her favorite verse, and I love it so much. John 10.10 says, he, she's probably quoting it right now if she's listening. <laughs> it says, the thief cometh not but for to, kill, to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. The enemy wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace of mind. He wants to take he wants to take your sleep at night. Like he wants to take everything that is good from you. But we can't let him. Like God is faithful and he will be with us and he's near to the brokenhearted guys. And I'm going to be a little bit bold and I told the Bible study group uh, the ladies in the Bible study Tuesday this. I would almost dare to say that King David suffered from depression. Although depression wasn't a thing back then, they didn't have a name for it. They didn't have science. I would just about guarantee David suffered from depression. We see it. David was up. David was down. I mean, my goodness, you can read the book of Psalms and all the way through it's high, low, high, low. God, I'm happy. God, I'm sad. God, I'm going through it. God, I'm happy again. God, I'm sad again. God, I made my bed in hell. God, I killed my best friend. God, I'm sorry. Like God, 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 like all through Psalms, it's, it's, you know, kill my enemies. Oh, bless my enemies. Like he's all over the place. And, and I would just about say that he was, he, he suffered with depression. And I'm going to pull that, that, um, from Psalm 41 through three, I want to read this first, uh, these verses and then talk about what they actually mean. So, um, Psalm 40 verses one through three says this, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my go goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Um, and so I really broke down um, what, what David was saying here. And for Hebrew context here, the word horrible means noise and destruction. Pit meant well, like a well. And when I think of a well, I think of deepness and darkness. So if we put together what David was actually saying here, um, it was that God brought him out of a noisy, destructive, deep uh, depth of darkness. Now, if you ask me, I'm not the smartest person, but that sounds like depression, right? Um, the good news is that David didn't leave, that God didn't leave David there, but every time David fell into that place of darkness, God was there. And when David made his bed in hell, God found and met him there the same as he will for us. Facing depression is scary. It's a long battle that seems never ending, but there is hope. Um, when you battle depression, it is noisy It's and, and quiet all at the same time. I've heard Michael describe it and he's like, there's a thousand voices going off in my head and, and they're screaming all of these terrible things to me. But at the same time, like it's quiet and I can't scream. Like 
these feelings that you just can't explain to anybody else. It's a lonely feeling. It's a hopeless feeling. Words can't console it. And being around others feels unbearable. Um, and, and that really sounds like what David is describing here. Like it was a noisy destruction, a noisy place of destruction that was deep and dark. Like it sounds like depression to me. Um, but God was faithful. And so in the midst of depression, just know that God is there for you and you, God expects you to, to do what you need to do. Um, as long as it's in accordance with his will and you have cleared it with him. Now, I'm not saying to just do whatever you want and not take it up with God, but he will always be there amid um, it um, amongst it to bring you hope again. Um, guys, pray. You know, I'm not saying don't pray about it. Pray. And I believe that God can heal you from depression. Um, but at the same time, like sometimes God uses doctors to bring our healing and he uses medication to bring our healing. And I'm not going to read all the verses, but a few verses where medication was actually recommended by prophets in the Bible, you can find them in Isaiah 38 and 21, Jeremiah 51 and 8, and Luke 10 verses 33 through 34. These are several verses that show us how prophets, um, dis these verses alone show that prophets uh, describing and even prescribing medication for healing. Um, I don't know where church people got the idea that they were able to condemn anybody for anything, but especially for taking medication. The idea that if you take medication, you don't trust God is absurd and not biblical at all. And I almost 100% guarantee that if they or their child lay dying or be found dead, they would be the first ones hoping for CPR to bring that child back to life. And that is a form of medication. So please stop listening to these people. Um, and, and I, real quick, I want to end on a, on a story that I read one time about a young boy who uh, lived in a church camp. Like, um, it was like the, it was one of those churches where like the pastor, um, ran the, almost like a cult, I would say, uh, they all lived on the same property and they, you know, followed the pastor's rules. And, and one of the pastor's rules was that you didn't take medication. And this young boy, um, starting at a young age, started showing signs of schizophrenia. And he was really struggling. And the pastor told everybody on the camp that he was demon possessed. Um, and I know that you're like, whoa, like, but guys, I've been in them old school churches where they are like trying to cast devils out of somebody who's, who's depressed and it's just not biblical. Um, so anyways, this young boy started showing signs of schizophrenia. The, the pastor actually held an exorcism for the young boy and it didn't cure him. So he kept performing exorcisms um, and, and the boy was never cured. So the mom snuck away, took him to the doctor and got him put on medication. By this point, he's like a, a young teenager. And so the mom sneaks medication into the camp. Well, um, the boy's fine. Like, and the pastor's convinced that, you know, the demons are gone, like the exorcism worked, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then a few years later or sometime later, the pastor finds out that this young boy has been on a medication regimen for schizophrenia. And he, uh, tells the, he tells them that either you stop the medication or you leave the camp. And so the mom took the medication away from the boy and the pastor got rid of it. And that young boy ended up murdering several people at that church because his schizophrenia was out of control. And guys, that's why I say, don't listen to church people who speak ignorance and they can't even back up their ignorance with the word of God. Um, that is why we have stigmas in the church. 
because people are uneducated. They don't take time to study the word of God. They, and I'm not sitting here being like church people are stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of people who bear the name of Christ who do not know what they're talking about, or they have this this haughty high-mindedness about them where they think they're better than everybody else because they've never struggled with anything. And so because they've never struggled with it, it must not be of God because they're holy and, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not condemning church people. Guys, I love my church family and there, I've met a lot of good Christian people. But the thing is, like, there's a difference between a good Christian person and somebody who attends church and somebody who attends church for a title and somebody who speaks carelessly because there are a lot of people who love Jesus who really need to work on keeping their mouths closed because they are not seeing they're they're not spiritually mature they're not mature enough to be counseling anybody or giving anybody advice and their lives are a mess themselves and you know they're preaching one thing and living something completely different and those people are not wise people and those people should not be giving advice so guys again i say watch who you take your advice from watch who you take your counseling from and and if you're struggling with depression today please 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 know that it is okay to take medication it is okay you know consult with god pray about it and see your doctor like if not medication, get in, get a counselor, you know, get a, a licensed counselor. Don't go to, you know, Joe up the street or, you know, sister Sally from the back row who thinks that depression is of the devil, you know, like get an actual therapist, get a counselor and, and talk about it, like get help and get you a solid group of godly people that, you know, share the same beliefs with you. And let that iron sharpen iron and be with people who are going to encourage you. Don't get around a bunch of depressed people who, you know, you guys sit around and, and, and just talk about how terrible life is together. Like that is going to trigger your depression. Like get you a good group of people who are like encouraging you and uplifting you and pouring scripture in context into your life and prophesying life over you. Like your circle matters, especially when you struggle with mental illness. Like you need those people who are not going to feed your mental illness, but are going to help uplift you and try to help encourage you and, and minimize your symptoms to the best of their ability. And, and guys, like that's what it's about is just like helping each other and encouraging each other. And, and if I can leave you with anything, like evaluate your life like especially if you struggle with mental illness especially depression guys I've, I've watched my husband suffer with depression and it's such a sad thing it's it's and you know he doesn't tell people he doesn't ask for pity he doesn't you know he still gets up and he preaches the word of god with boldness and he teaches and you know he works 70 hours a week and the man is just i mean he's phenomenal he carries a lot of weight that nobody sees and, you know, he never complains and he never pulls the pity card like, oh, I'm depressed. Like, no, like he tries to pull himself together. And I had to pull him away from a lot of people who made his depression a lot worse um, because there are characteristics and traits and things that will feed your depression. So evaluate who you're spending your time with. Evaluate like what you're pouring into you. If you're depressed, don't watch a bunch of depressing movies on TV, guys. I mean, just don't do it. Like find things that are going to encourage you. Read a book, take a walk, like do things that are going to uplift you and try to help you. And if you need medication and I'm not here pushing medication guys, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying if you're depressed, like go, the, the, the doctors will jump straight to the pill when there are other things you can do to help. Like don't jump straight to the pill. But if all of the other alternative methods have failed, like it's okay. And there's absolutely zero shame in saying I take an antidepressant. And with all of that being said, I would like to leave you with this. Um, I take an antidepressant. Um, and mine is actually for my eating disorder. 
a lot of people don't know it, um, but I am, I am diagnosed bulimic and uh, I did not know for many years that bulimia is what I was, I always thought I was just a fat binge eater and that's what I told myself and then I punished myself for it and it turns out I found out at 27 years old that I struggle with bulimia. And so uh, the doctor put me on an antidepressant to try to help me overcome those toxic behaviors. So I do take Wellbutrin and it, it helps. Like I feel so much better. Like I, I'm not punishing myself. I don't hate myself. I'm not like going through all of these crazy mood swings. Like my moods have stabled out and guys, I still love Jesus just as much now as I did before I started my antidepressant. And, and if anything, I feel like it's brought me closer to God because I have clarity and I don't have all of these hormones and these imbalances and all of these chemical shifts in my brain that are just driving me crazy where I can't focus. Like now I have more focus and I have more drive and I feel like I'm closer to my purpose now than I ever have been. And so I'm not trying to push medication, but guys, if that's what you need, like take, you know, do what you need to take care of yourself whether that's medication, whether that's a counselor, whether that's, you know, changing who you hang out with. Guys, it's okay. And I want to end this with, if you're struggling, please reach out for help. If you are battling thoughts of suicide, there is zero shame. Like my house is an open door and and there are friends who can attest. Like I will sit with you until three o'clock in the morning if that's what it takes to keep you alive. Because I would rather lose a few hours of sleep than to attend your funeral. So I promise you, And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you are struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide, call me, text me, and you will not get any judgment from me. I will not put any shame on you because again, I would rather hold you and encourage you than than to attend another funeral of somebody who has taken their life. And if somebody around you is speaking silly, just foolish things into your life, get rid of them because I want to see you alive. And so with all of that being said, guys, that's all I have for anxiety and depression today. Join us back next week and we will dig into anxiety. Um, I love you guys. And I do want to just end this with a prayer. I'm sorry if you can hear it. Chase has got his squeaky toy in the background and I'm just not going to re-record all of this to edit it out. So that's just him saying hello. But I want to close this in prayer. Father God, I thank you. First of all, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you are a faithful God. God, I thank you that in the midst of our trying times where we don't understand the battles that we face and and everything feels hopeless, that you are still God. I thank you that you are still faithful and that you are able to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray over every listener right now, God, I pray that you would give them an ounce of hope, God, and that you would show them their worth in you. And Lord, I pray that you would be their peace in the midst of their depression. God, if you choose to not take it from them and to heal them from it, God, I pray that you would show them that you are still God right in the midst of it. And I prophesy hope into every listener right now. I declare that their chains of darkness are soon coming to an end where they will be able to see the light again and that they may be sitting in a pile of ashes right now. But God, I declare that beauty is coming in exchange and that for the morning they're about to receive dancing. Father, I thank you that you are faithful, God. And I pray right now that you would just bring hope and peace and joy and happiness and encouragement to every listener right now. God, give them a vision. God, give them a purpose. God, give them somebody to minister to about the struggle. God, put somebody in their path that they can help share hope with and, and 
God, just bring restoration to everything the enemy has convinced them that they've lost to depression and anxiety right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. And God, I pray when they lay their head down tonight that they would have a peaceful night's sleep. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you and we claim it. Amen. Guys, I love you. And I know that this episode is long, but um, I hope you, if you've made it this far, um, I love you and come back next week. I'm going to try to have the episode posted. Um, Bible study is Tuesday night. So I may pre-record it and then launch it Tuesday after Bible study. I don't want to launch it before Bible study. Um, so it may be a Wednesday episode next week, guys. Um, and again, I do apologize that it took so long to get this one out, but you know, life happens and things are crazy and we're operating in a lot of ministries right now. Exciting things are happening and we will have a guest speaker uh, coming to Vulnerability with Bree. Um, we're working out the kinks and the details right now. She uh, too is also very busy, but I'm super excited and I think she will be a blessing to everybody who listens. So um, just stay tuned and I love you guys.